0: doing, how you feeling, how you living. Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we help millennials of faith gain clarity on what they truly value, manage and increase their income and crush their financial goals. And today we are talking to certified financial advisor, Mike Zaccardi on, yes, you guessed it, financial freedom and so much more. Okay. So I know she's a day late, but please, please don't hate me. The podcast is still here and the podcast is still coming. You know what I'm saying? She just had, you know, some things that she had to work out within her week, but bam, we are here. We are live. If this is your first time, welcome to Dem Coins, where we talk about where we talk about something I've coined financial self awareness. So what I like to do on this podcast is I bring people from all different spheres of the financial um, industry, regular folk, real estate folk, all the folk, right? So As individuals, we can take bits and pieces of each person's story and apply them to our lives and better our finances. Now, if you are interested in the five main principles of financial self-awareness, you can go to the first uh, about two or three episodes of this podcast, or you can also go to the website to get a nice little synopsis summary, and the website is in the show notes. So on to today's guest. So who is Mike? Mike Sicardi is a freelance writer for financial advisors and investment firms. He's a certified financial advisor and a chartered market technician, which basically means he has a stock market on lock. And he's also passed the coursework to be a certified financial planner. Mike is also a finance instructor at the University of North Florida. Now Mike has attained financial freedom in his 30s, quite frankly, by accident, and we'll talk about all of that. So I'm super excited to talk to someone, you know, a mid-age millennial, you feel me, that you know, is, has essentially accomplished what a lot of us are trying to accomplish. I love his, um, his candidness about his journey and, um, you know, just his willingness to educate, you know, the regular, regular people like myself. So, without further ado, let's get into this interview. And if you love this podcast, feel free to rate it wherever you're listening. Love you. All right. Hello and welcome, Demcoins family. We have a very, very special guest today. We have Mike Zaccardi with us. Thank you, Mike. Hello, hello, and welcome.
1: Great to be here. Thank you so much, Akua.
0: Yeah. So, Mike, you have very impressive resume. You've been um, in the finance industry, CFA, you passed a CFP, you're a market expert, you have a CMT. And so I'm very curious about your background in finance. Did you always just kind of grow up loving finance just as a kid or, you know, did someone, did you have like a mentor? Like, how did you even get into finance?
1: Yeah, you know, I've just always been kind of into money. I remember as a kid, I would have banks and I would kind of play with the different uh, toys that were kind of money related. Um, I never really thought about it being a career until really college time, Uh, but I've always been interested in counting and um, and anything I can remember involving money and tracking money. It's always been kind of fun. Um, So that's really how it started. I've always been into that. And then, you know, as I progressed through high school, kind of learned some more things on the side. And then once I got to college, I originally wanted to be a weatherman. So meteorology was my first major, actually. <laughs> but then I realized, wow, you got to know a lot about like computers and uh, physics. And that what's kind of interesting to me. But in the end, I, I've always just been more attached to the everydayness maybe of, of money. And then I switched to finance and it was off to the races.
0: Nice. Interesting. Okay. So <laughs> I can see that though, listening to your voice and your cadence, I can see how you could be a weatherman. Like I get it.
1: <laughs> I've heard that actually, it's funny. My, um, one of my professors from uh, college uh, used to call me the weatherman because one of the things I really like to do, and this is kind of nerdy, but I enjoyed, Showing charts and graphs to my class that I was, you know, my, my finance classes, and he would say, "Zakardi, the way that you go through those charts, you look like a weatherman giving a weather report." <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, oh, that makes sense."
0: <laughs> very cool, nice. Okay, so you kind of just had like a love for finance very early, and so, yeah. you know, you go to school, and you know, you come out. So, did you start off being a financial advisor? Did you have a different career than shift or.
1: I've always been in finance, you know, out of college, and this is about 10 years ago, I worked a couple of jobs for somewhat short time frames, you know, one or two years at Fidelity Investments and then Deutsche Bank, just kind of like anyone, you know, feeling your way out there and trying to find what you like to do. Um, so I've always been in finance, I kind of settled in in my career uh, at an energy trading company where I did energy trading and portfolio management and risk analysis. Um, I actually interned at that place in college. So went back there uh, in a full-time role back in 2014. So I've always been in finance and even uh, aside from my full-time jobs, um, I've always tried to be active when it comes to investment writing and talking to people about, you know, what's going on with their finances, even though it's a little little taboo, it's still uh, people. (laughs) generally will open up and uh, it's always an interesting topic of conversation at the very least.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's definitely, you know, one of the reasons I started this podcast. It is way too taboo. I mean, we should be talking about money. It is a source. We need money for to do anything. And so it's very odd that we still make this, oh, you know, this taboo thing. And we talk about, you know, social equity and things like that. It's like, well, how are we going to get there if we're not discussing, you know, what we're making and things like that? So, yeah, it's definitely important. And, you know, you're you're doing fairly well. So when I read that you save 90% of your income, I mean, how, why? Like I have so many questions, you know, you said it's it was roughly around $10,000 a year. And I'm really curious in that because sometimes people may look at a person like you and say, you know, he is a personal finance expert. Of course, he's doing well in his personal finances, but to save 90% of your income, I mean, that's just a decision, you know, that you can do that if you're, you know, uh, a financial advisor or not. So I'm curious about why you decided to do it. And also, how did you reduce your finances so significantly?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think a lot of it is kind of, um just ingrained, you know, almost by nature. I I've just always been very thrifty and I'm very practical to put it nicely. Maybe, uh, you know, another big piece of it is having the a good fortune to have a, a good career and a good job. So many years where you're making a good income, like you can't save 90% of your income, you know, working a, a very low salary job. It's just reality. And another thing for me, you know, the, just the way life has gone, i'm a you know single guy so i'm able to live very frugally without it kind of impacting others it would be a lot different situation if you know i were married had a house had kids it'd be totally different um and to be honest i kind of admire people who are able to save a lot with all of that going on like i feel like i have it kind of easy uh when it comes to saving money um other people's situations are much more challenging um so for me it's just been Kind of this combination of having a good job and just being—I always say like a single dude, no house, no kids, and no wife. It's like you know, nothing else to spend money on. So <laughs> that's how it's gone so far.
0: Nice. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then through this, um, you know, through these uh, these sort of good habits, both mindset and also um, just the way you've been able to save you. It seems like you may have kind of stumbled upon financial independence kind of by accident like it seems like you weren't really aiming for it it's just like oh okay <laughs> like I yeah. could retire. So I read another article where you um you and you know the the FIRE movement is really big and for people that don't know that means financial independence and then because you're financially independent you can retire early and you embrace, you know, the financial independence part, but the retire early, you're kind of like, "Eh." (laughs) not really here for that. So could you explain why you um, kind of, I don't want to say shun, but you know, you, you, um, you're not interested in retiring early.
1: Yeah, I've written quite a bit on this. So I write at several places, Uh, humble dollar is the main one where I talk about personal finance issues. And, you know, to me, just like you said, I kind of fell into this financial independence movement. Um, Honestly, I'd never even heard of it until maybe four or five years ago. And I'm like, I'm reading about it. And okay, yeah, a lot of these characteristics definitely fit me. Um, Not that I really feel myself as a part of the movement. This is just kind of who I am. I want to get to a point where, you know, I can work a a full-time job if I want to. Or, you know, choose to kind of do my own thing if I want to and have that flexibility. So that's really financial independence is having the options in life to really do what you want to do and focus on things that you really enjoy and get rid of the things that you don't. Um, you know, for those who have the perfect career where they, you know, skip the do their way to work and they really love it. <laughs> there are those people, but I feel like that's a fairly small proportion of the folks out there. Um, you know, For me, most of the jobs I've had, I haven't minded at all. I've been you know, definitely grateful to have them, um, but like any job, there's things that you, know, you wish you could take away, uh, at least pieces of them. So to me, uh, with where I am now, financial independence is um, something that I definitely still embrace. Um, when it comes to the RE part of FIRE, retire early. So yeah, I don't quite as much buy into the retire early piece of the FIRE movement. I've kind of given that a shot in the last six or nine months, but I find myself a little too hyperactive for that. I really enjoy uh, writing and communicating finance and being part of a team, creating value like that's just kind of who I am. So uh, the retire early piece, that's just not me. You know, people who consider the beach or, um, you know, sleep in every day to their heart's desire. More power to them, but that's just not quite me. Um, So in the past, really, most of this year, I've been running my own business, which isn't a lot, you know, it's investment writing and providing services to financial advisors, uh, just using my expertise and my experiences, which I really enjoy because that way I'm able to work with people and really create value um, and make a little money on the side. So nothing wrong with that. I actually wrote an article earlier this year that, you know, when you're you know, in your 30s, like me, there's a lot of possible outcomes in life. You know, mm-hmm. there could be a health scare. You know, I could be lucky enough to find that special lady and then my expenses go way up. Yeah. <laughs> um, my parents could have issues that, that would ha- I would uh, have to help with. The stock market could crash. I mean, there's just so many different things that you just don't know. So even though I'm fired today, I'm financially independent, you know, a year from now, there's a lot that can happen. So I'm just always mindful that there's always uncertainties in life and there's going to be curveballs. So I just try and be flexible with a lot of that.
0: Nice. Awesome. You mentioned that part of your business, um, you know, is giving uh, advice, you know, to, you're the financial advisors, financial advisor, kind of like you're giving advice to financial advisors. Do you find that the, the core of the information is different for advisors as opposed to, you know, regular everyday people? Or do you find that it's at the core kind of the same concepts?
1: Um, That's a good question. I would say a lot of my work for advisors is really helping them establish and promote like online social presence as well as client education. So I'll do a lot of uh, writing that is on personal finance issues. And that way the advisors clients have something they can go to and read up on, you know, what, what the latest that's happening in the personal finance world and actionable takeaways that they can use to better their situation. So that's really what I'm trying to do for most advisors. And sometimes it gets more technical where I'm doing more portfolio research and optimizing investment uh, strategies, but you know, really it's the small things that really make a difference. It's not those real intricate portfolio nuances. It's something like your savings rate, You know how much are you spending on things like your housing situation and, and food and health and childcare and saving for college um, and things like that, that can really improve someone's finance, financial situation. Um, so that's mainly what I try and focus on with a lot of the work I do with advisors um, but certainly helping them from a business perspective, grow their advisory practice and uh, anything I can do to help their situation uh, be more smooth, because those advisors, their time is very valuable. So any way I can help out and make things go more efficiently. That's what I'm there to do.
0: Right. Very cool. And yes. And then also with that, um I know that many people think that advisors and planners are the same thing. So if you could briefly explain what is the difference, and you know how do you at what point do you know, okay, I probably need some help here with my finances?
1: yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And um you know, to me, a financial advisor and a financial planner, um, you know unfortunately, in the industry, they're kind of used almost simultaneously in um, in exchange for one another. Uh, but in general, I would say a financial advisor tends to be more focused on the investment side of things, and you gotta kind of watch out for that because you don't want someone necessarily who is trying to, you know, sell you on the latest hot investment out there, because there's a good chance it won't be the it won't be the best thing for someone. Um, now, there's plenty of financial advisors who call themselves advisors who are a-okay and they're great. And they can definitely be very helpful. But, you know, it's just one of the nature, one of the things of the industry is that, you know, there's people out there that unfortunately look to take advantage of unsuspecting individuals and, you know, regulations go a long way to help address that as well as certifications that supposedly have standards that their members have to uphold. So there's some things that have definitely worked to the individual investors um, benefit, but still you got to watch out. Um, Now, when we're talking about a financial planner, that's supposed to imply that they're serving more all encompassing financial and planning needs in addition to investments. So areas like estate planning, Mm. insurance management, uh, saving for college um, and several other areas. Uh, that just go go beyond investments. So they're much more all-inclusive and look at your entire financial picture and um, what will work for individuals. So in general, I would say financial planners, especially certified financial planners, CFPs, you definitely want to look for that credential when going about trying to find the right advisor.
0: makes sense okay so advisors are specifically focused on investments and then planners are for sort of overall financial planning of your whole life okay so that (laughs) that fidelity commercial I saw makes a little more sense I don't know if you've (laughs) seen it with the elderly couple and you know things change in their life and they go to their financial plan and they're like something changed and you know, the financial planner works things out and then something else changed, you know, and then the mom starts a business and okay, that makes sense. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, um, you know, you typically you go to see a financial planner and they'll create a financial plan for you. And it looks, it's like this leather bound book and it's so fancy looking and nice, (laughs) but that's not really financial planning. That's a financial plan. And guess what? Life changes. Just like you said, So any life event that takes place, guess guess what? You have to do a new financial plan. So to me, like a financial planner doesn't make a plan. They do financial planning. It's a continuous process. Uh, You're always kind of pivoting to all the curveballs that life is going to throw your way. So that's what a really good financial planner will do. Um, They'll talk to you, understand your situation. But what they'll really do is they'll listen to you. So they're not going to give a spiel for an hour and say, here's my product, buy it. No, no, no. They're going to sit down with clients and say something like, "You know, what brought you here today? What's going on with your life? And from there, from that conversation, you can develop a good relationship and figure out what your financial goals might be. Uh, because that, one of the most daunting questions you can ever ask uh, someone or a family is what are your goals? It's like, whoa, goals. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm just trying to pay the bills and save for college and save for retirement. I mean, that's a tough question. And you don't really figure that out on on day one. Uh, goals are always changing. And um, a good financial planner knows that the that relationship isn't built on identifying one or two goals. It's just continuously communicating with clients and helping them along their financial journey. Nice.
0: Awesome. And then, so is there, so at what point do you think most people should talk to financial advisors? Is there, you know, once I'm making six figures, that's when I need an advisor or a planner or both, you know, how do, how do I, how would I know if I need an, an advisor or a planner. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So that's a, that's always a tough one because the thing is you want to develop good savings habits as early as possible, because if you don't develop them early, it's, it's really is hard to uh, get on the right savings track. It's important very early on to develop good savings habits, um, doing things like contributing to your 401k up to the match, starting a Roth IRA and always contributing to it. So. From that perspective, very early on, it would be very helpful to work with a financial advisor. Unfortunately, most people don't have enough assets or income to really afford an advisor. Uh, It's difficult for an advisor to be profitable with someone with that low of an asset base. So I would say for an individual, when they should go seek an advisor, basically whenever it's taking up too much of your time. You know, if you most people have busy lives, you know, they're driving their kids to school to soccer practice. They've got full time jobs. You know, they're making dinner every night. It's just difficult um, to do all of that and effectively manage your finances. And it's important because a couple decisions here or there could be worth thousands of dollars. So working with an advisor, I would say once time becomes very valuable to you and you have uh, that a decent amount of an asset base, you really should consider reaching out to a certified financial planner. Uh, because even if it's going to cost, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year to work with an advisor, it may very well be worth it simply from the time savings. Let alone how much they can save you on things like the right tax move or helping you save more for retirement. So that's where I would um, say people should consider reaching out to an advisor.
0: So. Yes, yes. That is so good. And I know that you um you mentioned a lot about having um a good savings rate. And <laughs> this is something that I am actively working on because I've really come to the realization that I want to be a person who is, you know, a bit more minimal and doesn't require but I realized I like things. <laughs> like I really like, I like my tchotchkes and I like to travel and I like good things. And it's like, I'm trying to reconcile because it's like, no, I want to be financial independent. And so for someone who is a bit more towards the beginning of their journey, like what top, like top three things. Um, so you mentioned, you know, getting your savings rate up. Like what are two other things that, people in the beginning phases of getting their personal finances in order should do.
1: Yeah. So I would say the big thing is if you have high interest debt, you know, work towards paying that off, Um, do that first. And then once you've done that, so any, any debt, that's maybe above a five, 6% interest rate, um, pay that off. Because once you pay that off, that's like earning a a risk-free rate of return. Um, that's really strong. You can't really get that in the stock market, for example, all the time. So that would maybe be step one. Um, and then once you've established that it's important to build that emergency fund, you know, three to six months of living expenses um, in like a checking account or even a Roth IRA, you could use that in a similar way. You know, once you have something like that done, then, you know, be intentional about saving to the match and your employer's 401k if you have one, because that's free money. That's like a for many people a 50 or even 100% immediate rate of return. If you contribute 6% and your employer puts in 3%, uh, that's a great way to start building long term wealth. So I sort of consider that the hierarchy of savings goals. Uh, If you've gotten through all of that, uh, you can look towards the spending side of things. Um, The biggest categories of spending for most people are for things like housing and how much you spend on your car, you know, what kind of car do you drive? Uh, And then things like childcare and food and eating out. Now, of course, everyone has to eat, you know, absolutely. That's not in question. But if over time you can make incremental changes to bring down those big costs, um, that can make a big difference. Um, You know, it's really not about that, five dollar latte every day it's like fine go ahead have your five dollar latte but if you're if you're buying an eighty thousand dollar giant suv (laughs) that 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 carries a bigger monthly payment than your mortgage okay that's going to be a problem Mm -hmm. you know definitely consider toning that down a little bit or if you live in a really high cost of living living area you know look what you can do in the next few years to maybe bring, bring that down Uh, Because if you can save a few hundred dollars a month on just your housing expenses, I mean, that's going to pay for a lot of your everyday items that you may even get more enjoyment out of. Um, So focusing on those small savings habits on the hierarchy of savings and then focusing on the big areas of of spending, to me, that's how you're going to build a good foundation towards long term wealth.
0: You mentioned, um, you mentioned, you know, 401k, and most people are fairly familiar. Most employers have either, you know, 403b or 401k, something of that nature. And I have heard, like, I've heard from a couple of people, you know, oh, I just, I just don't have um, the money to invest, or some people are nervous about the market. And so, like, what advice would you, uh, would you give to people who maybe a little nervous or feel like I don't have any money to contribute to a 401k or Roth or any type of retirement investment accounts.
1: Yeah. Well, think of it this way. Uh, Think of it as just building a good habit. You know, you don't have to park away hundreds of dollars a month. Uh, Just start with something small. I remember back when I was in college, I was working at the grocery store and you know, another uh, very nerdy moment. I was talking to one of my friends about Roth IRAs, and I said, hey, there's this program out there, and this, you know, this is more than 10 years ago. Um, There's a program out there where you can just contribute $50 a month automatically into a Roth IRA. It comes from your bank account into the Roth. It goes into an investment. You don't even have to think about it once you set it up, and he did that, and to this day, I check in on him, and You know, he's doing quite well, even he's a normal person, too. He's not he's not like me, like a crazy (laughs) saver. So um, just a small habit is the main thing. It can be, you know, twenty dollars from a paycheck. Uh, Just save that. And if you can build that, just increase it every now and then, every month, try and build it up a little bit more and then. Look into. A lot of the features that these investment sites like Fidelity or Schwab, Vanguard, ETrade—they all have this feature now where you can automatically move money from your checking account into your investing account, and it does it uh, does it for you. Um, so building the habit and then automating things as much as possible—those uh, are the things that will get you on the right track. So it's very easy to get daunted by. Um, you know, reading articles that say I have to save X million dollars for retirement. Um, time is on your side for a lot of people. We still have, you know, people like you and me. We still have uh, decades until typical retirement. So, just know that small steps today can really help build a, a strong habits in the future.
0: Awesome! Yeah, that is so good because I. Yeah, I think sometimes when you see the end goal of, you know, having, you know, a couple million saved or, you know, depending on your lifestyle, some people even retire with less than a million. I've seen that before. Um... But since I've seen that end goal and like where you're at, you're sitting with like $20 in your account, you're like, no way, <laughs> I can't make this happen. But even if you can, and I think that's probably the most powerful thing about a 401k is that it's automatic. So I don't, I don't have to consciously like take the money out and think about it. And like, oh, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's automated. And you, yeah. And I also do that with, I've started doing that with Fidelity as well. So it's, it's definitely very helpful. I don't have to think about it and, you know, analysis, browses and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And, um, and in the past, uh, I know that you were on, um, like a 401k committee. And so you really pushed for, you know, more sort of passive, uh, investing target date funds. So if you could briefly explain what are target date funds, how do people get them? Yeah, yeah that sort of thing. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, a target date fund was actually my first investment uh, back when I was in high school, like, you know, I'm just that weird kid who started oh, investing in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was 18 years old, I opened a Roth IRA at Vanguard and I bought the, uh, I think it was a 2045 target day retirement fund. So that may sound like Greek to a lot of people. So what is that? So a target date fund is a single investment choice that is diversified. So it's investing all over the world um, in stocks and bonds and it will adjust over time to become less risky. So for a young person, a target date fund that's maybe targeting the year 2060 is going to be invested almost all into stocks because that's the uh, area with the highest potential return. But a retiree who owns maybe a 2020 fund, like a year 2020, uh, that's going to have a lot of bonds in it because those are less risky. So a target date fund, you basically pick it based on your target retirement age, uh, will start out very aggressive in stocks and then over time transition more into lower risk investments. And what's great about that is you don't have to go into your account and try and figure out, you know, what should be my percentage in stocks and bonds. The target date fund does that automatically. Um, another great feature about target date fund is that it does rebalancing for you. Uh, rebalancing is another term you might hear uh, when it comes to investing that's always important to keep your risk uh, the level of risk in your investments on par with your risk tolerance. So a target date fund does that automatically. You don't have to worry about that either. So it gets back to automation, you know and not having to make decisions and that's a good thing when it comes to, Uh, your investments. So when I was on the 401k committee, uh, I was just always partial to uh, index funds uh, at low cost, uh, because the way I felt and the what the data shows is that the lower the cost of a fund, the better the return. Mm -hmm. So if I'm paying a lower fee, hey, I'm basically getting that savings. So when I was on the committee, I definitely pushed for the focus to be on I'm making low cost uh, index fund options easily available to uh, the employees at my company. And then I helped to introduce a target date fund lineup as well, and hopefully um, at that employer, I'm no longer with them, but hopefully a lot of the folks working there now um, use just that single target date fund option and call it a day instead of trying to nitpick Uh, the best funds to pick, because guess what? I've been doing this stuff 10 years. I'm a CFA guy. Uh, I've been investing like all my life. I stink at finding the best funds in terms of picking the winners and losers. So what do I do? I just go with the index funds and base my allocation based on my risk tolerance. And um, that's gonna serve most people well, I think.
0: Nice, automation is key. absolutely wow and so you you write for a ton of different articles so if you could pick like your top two like either if it's just personal finance in general or market research like what are your top two sites that you go to frequently
1: yeah well I love the stuff that Morningstar puts out Um, so many of their articles are so helpful and so easy to read they're not too long um, anything really put out by Christine Benz and uh, Ben Johnson, some of the writers there, I, they're just fantastic. So I definitely recommend Morningstar.com for people who want to learn more about personal finance and investing. I think they're fantastic. Um, uh, you know, other than that, um, really just a lot of a lot of folks on Twitter. I'm, I'm big on Twitter. So kind of getting different people's takes on things, I think is important. Of course, you can't go wrong with, Something like the Wall Street Journal, um, so that's a pretty good one. But I would say first stop for most people looking to improve their finances, check out Morningstar. I think they have a lot of great personal finance items.
0: Nice, awesome, yeah. And I, I did um, quickly peek at your Twitter. <laughs> I saw some charts and I was like, oh, I don't, <laughs> I don't really understand what that means. But <laughs> one day I will. One day I will.
1: I <laughs> post yeah, a lot of stuff on there. <laughs>
0: Nice. And so, so Mike, looking back at, you know, your life and your journey, um, not just financially, but just personally, professionally, is there anything that you like, oh, I wish I would have, you know, done this differently or anything that you would change?
1: You know, this is unusual, but I would say, you know, I'm 30, uh, 33 years old now. To me, if I could go back 10 years and maybe spend more money and kind of have a little more fun, That may have been a good investment um, just in terms of letting loose a little bit more and not just always focusing on money because life is about more than money. While it's a very worthy goal to get financially independent and it's important to have good savings habits, that is not the end all be all in life. And anyone preaching that um, the ultimate goal is to just save, 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 invest, invest, invest and retire early. Um, I think they have that wrong. I think it's like anything in life. It's, uh, it's always good to have a balance. You need to enjoy life, spend intentionally, spend wisely, and invest. But to me, um, if I could look back on anything I could have done differently, you know, it, maybe it would be spend a little more money on things like traveling, or even simple things like uh, going out to a movie or a restaurant or a bar with some friends and just hang out. Like, Uh, A few more of those things I think could have been good investments. So, and I'm still trying to work on that uh, and fight my personality to uh, spend a little more money in the future.
0: Nice. Nice. Like, uh, yeah, a couple more vacations. So what's your like, what's your, what's your dream vacation?
1: Oh, see, that's the thing. I try to spend more money and, um, have goals like that. But then I think, you know, what do I really want to do? I was like, I don't really know. So figure out, like what, what would I enjoy? Uh, to me, I guess just in some business trips and things like that, I kind of enjoy just walking around new cities and, and parks and just taking in a little different atmosphere. Um, and then talking with new people, even though I'm an, I'm naturally very much an introvert. Um, you know, I guess anything I could do to kind of break up the routine is good. So that could be a road trip, uh, maybe a trip to Europe or something like that would be, would be pretty fun. Um, so those are some areas that maybe I would, I should, maybe I should be more intentional about knocking some of those items off the old bucket list.
0: Yes, I am all about the travel. <laughs> Absolutely. And so In your current phase of life right now, do you have any mantras or any affirmations or anything that you wake up in the morning to that keeps you motivated?
1: Well, I think something uh, that I I always like to say to like in interviews and that sort of thing is, um, you know, we don't know what the future holds. So where do you see yourself in five years? I don't know. You know, I don't know is kind of the answer I have to a lot of things. Um, you just never know what curveballs life's going to throw at you, where you'll be in five years. So just always being open and flexible to new opportunities and to new experiences, um, is something that I, you know, really try to take heart to, um, and something I struggle with. So that's, you know, what I'm always trying to live by. You know, a lot of people are very kind of goal oriented and they say, I want this thing by this date and here's how I'm going to get there. You know, to me, I just take a different approach. I try and just build good habits and see what opportunities come my way. And then when a good opportunity comes my way, you know, pounce on it. And that's kind of um, how I've gone about things. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I uh, how I live by.
0: Yes, absolutely. To stay agile because things change very rapidly. Well, Mike, I cannot thank you enough. This has been so, so good. Where can the people find you on the internets and such?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at Mike Sicardi on LinkedIn. And then I also write at humbledollar.com, which is a really great personal finance website to learn about things like saving strategies and retirement planning. And the contributors there are everyday people just like me. So you can read a lot of my personal finance work there and comments in the sections there. So look forward to hearing some, from some folks on those websites. And uh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mike. And that's another episode, you guys, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I was so excited in, in the interview. I actually forgot to ask all of my, um, normal wrap-up questions for you-, you all that have been, you know, rocking with me for a while. But hey, it's all good. Um, Mike had a lot of really good takeaways. Um, I think one thing for me is that we hear it a lot, but I think we need to be reminded that no amount is too small, right? When he talked about that friend, and it was a very small part of the podcast in the middle where he talked about that friend that he told to invest $50. And I've heard about that program, um, but I don't think they've continued it. But if they have, let me know. But that program where uh, you invest $50 and then it automatically invests into the stock market for you and you don't even have to think about it. And you know, Every pay period, it just takes $50 out of your account. And over time, it grows. And I've actually included an article in the show notes um, that from the Motley Fool that shows you kind of over time what that can look like. And yes, it's not glamorous. No, you're not, you know, a Bitcoin millionaire in an instant. But here are the strategies that work for most of us, right? Most of us are not going to get up on that new unicorn technology before anyone else knows about it and make millions, right? That's not going to be everyone's story. But what we can all do is take $25, is take $15 and just invest. It really is simple. Just set it and forget it, right? Like the little little commercials. So I hope you enjoyed that. Let me know your thoughts and thank you for rocking with me, y'all. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to reach out to me via email, hello at demcoinsonline.com Also, feel free to check us out on Instagram, dem.coins. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? (laughs) I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.